I'm Lauren, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm JJ, and I'm a veterinary technician. And you're listening to IntroVets, a veterinary podcast by introverts with high-functioning anxiety. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to this week's snack episode. What up, yo? JJ. Yo. I see that you're drinking a delicious beverage. What are you drinking right now? I can never remember the name of it, but it's berry flavored and it's carbonated. And I don't know why when I bought wine glasses, I bought like a size of wine glass that you can pour three-fourths a bottle into. Because that sounds like the optimum amount on a Saturday? I guess because I'm a gluttonous person. (laughs) Well, so, okay, but it is wine. You're not just drinking a berry soda from a wine. I mean, you can do that, but... Mm. No, it's wine. It's wine. Show is. Okay. That sounds it good. A dessert wine. So mm. um my darling husband went to the grocery store and just happened to see that the candy corn pumpkins are out already. So he bought a of course a giant bag of them. Oh so my I god. I had three of those with my wine before we got started. So in just a few minutes you're gonna be hyperactive and then in about an hour falling asleep. Oh, no. Shortly after turning 40, the happy active part goes away. You just fall asleep. So, um, fantastic. (laughs) Excellent Um, podcast recording strategy. (laughs) That's why I only ate three. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I see. I see. I see. I used to like those a lot. The candy, uh, like cream pumpkins Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. But as an adult, I don't like them. And I don't know whether it's that my tastes have changed or the way they make them is different. But I remember them tasting much different as a kid. I just remember eating like a lot more of them as a kid. Like <laughs> now, if I eat more than five, I'm like, mm, these don't taste good anymore. They just mm-hmm. basically I'm I'm pouring a bag of sugar into my face. Mm. And but like those first like three is a good number. Any more than three. And I'm like, eh. and even that third one, it's kind of like, all right, I'm done. Done. But yeah. I like those, the pumpkins, more than I like the regular candy corn. And they're the same thing, so I don't know why. But I don't, it's... The pumpkins are always been my favorite, and Ben's too. So, like, as soon as he goes anywhere and he sees them, it's like fall is officially around the corner. Even though it's August. Fall, yeah, fall stuff continually moves up on the calendar. Like, before... Mm-hmm. September, you would start to see Halloween stuff. And now we're, you know, we're bleeding into August now. That This is unacceptably early. And I love Halloween. This is unacceptably early. It is. Yeah. It's just like, I fall into that trap of, uh, oh, if some there's some stuff out, like, I want to go ahead and start looking at it. But I'm like, oh, it's too hot. I feel like it's way too early. Oh. <laughs> and then it gets like first of September and they're already putting that shit up and getting Christmas stuff out. I'm like, yeah. but wait. I lost my Halloween window. Well, uh, Carl <laughs> Carl was like, I found you something. And he showed me, it's maybe Home Depot. One of those types of stores has Ooh, on special a dragon that breathes yes! mist. Do you see yes, that? I was, ben and it showed was me reasonably that. priced. I was like, oh, shit. I, yes, Ben showed me the same thing. He was like, you're going to love this. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I said, does it do anything? He said, yes, watch. And he played the video. I was like, <gasps> yeah. it does not. It it's makes a real a statement piece. Yes. I'm and like, then that imagine that with my lightning machine in the background. Oh, so scary. <laughs> For my one trick-or-treater, you know. I think this year um, I'm going to do, you remember the uh, giant life-size skeleton with the wolf man head? I do. Um, that we got at Target that time. Uh, I 
we call him Paul Paul here because uh, I usually dress him up in like old man clothes and put glasses on him and make him look like he's got a blanket in his lap and uh, hang him out in the rocking chair in the den. But I think this year I'm going to let him ride shotgun with me around everywhere I go. I think that's a good idea. I mean, I just put a seatbelt on him. He'll stay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just cross his legs and let him hang out. It could be like one of those one of those safety dummies that people carry around to prevent, <laughs> you know, muggings and stuff like that. Yes. No one will carjack you if you have a werewolf skeleton in your, you know, passenger oh, seat. That would uh, that would be a good thing. True. I'm like, I don't know why they would carjack my particular car because there's nothing special about it. But then again, I've heard of people carjacking even lamer cars than mine. So. I guess it's uh, any port and storm if you're trying to get somewhere and get away. That's true. Well, JJ, how's it been going? What, what's, what's your best mm-hmm. thing this week? Uh, opening the refrigerator and finding this wine because I forgot we had it. <laughs> that might be on up there. Um, uh, hey, that counts. It counts. And there's also a second bottle, and it's the peach kind, which I also love. Ooh. Um. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, so it's Saturday, kind of hard. <laughs> and we both worked at different clinics yesterday. And um, you know, Fridays are kind of, as our listeners know, a little bit nutty up in the veterinary hospital. Yeah, and all sorts of crazy stuff happens, and it kind of makes you regret your life choices sometimes. But you know, then yeah, you just bounce back. It's fine. Yeah, but I, I can, I can understand where you're coming from. This week in particular has just been extra heinous, and mm. it seems like there's difficulty everywhere. So it's yeah. just kind of meh. But um, yeah, enjoy the little things. <laughs> yes, like in Zombie Land, very important. Like wine that's berry flavored and yummy. Well, this week in Huntsville, and this is not inside information. This was like on the news, so I'm only going to share the stuff that was posted in news articles, but. One of the local ERs here had a client get upset over the cost of potential surgery for their pet, threaten the staff and the veterinarian, and the same owner ended up threatening the staff at, it depends on which article you read, whether it was the Greater Huntsville Humane Society or Animal Services. I think that the reporters think those are the same thing, but they're different. Anyway, either of those organizations, depending on which article you read, and the person was eventually arrested, but was found to to have firearms in the vehicle and things like that that he had threatened, you know, the staff about. So that's very scary. Mm. People be cray. They are. Yeah. You know, the thing that is even more crazy, though, is, and you should never, ever read the comment section on the Internet. It, you know, lowers your IQ substantially. But I made the mistake of doing that, thinking, I don't know what I thought. But I didn't think I was going to see a bunch of posts from people saying, I completely understand why this owner threatened the veterinary staff with harm. That was the wow. prevailing sentiment was, yeah, that sounds fine to do. Wow. So I was like, close, <laughs> like I just close out of that and try to. I try mean, to remember why I do this. Try it, to remember why I do this. It wasn't know? even like that they that he owed them the money. They just told him what the prices were. I mean Yes, they provided an estimate for an emergency surgery. Like, guess what? You can take the dog somewhere else if you're not happy with the price. Right. What 
you could I don't understand. Yeah, I. Yeah. Anyway, um, so you know that's been uh, here in the local veterinary community been talked about a lot in our veterinary circles, and so that's very stressful when that happens. Even if it doesn't happen at your clinic, if you hear about it, it just kind of increases the mental load that you have to work with. And then mm-hmm. while we were getting ready for this episode, um, you know, we're always asking for stories and things like that. And we were talking during our pre-episode meeting about how many of the stories that we're getting from uh, our, you know, listeners and, and other veterinary staff have been kind of on the negative side. It's been hard to kind of balance that with something lighthearted. JJ is going to go through a couple of those stories, keeping them anonymous, and we're going to talk about each one individually and and what strategies we can use as veterinary professionals to help insulate ourselves from some of this poor client behavior. JJ, you want to read that first one? This is an office manager. Okay. Uh, not local, uh, anonymous. And basically, an owner had called and requested a refill of a medication for her cat. Um, her cat was a collector in... Sorry, a collector of diseases? Yes, a collector okay. of diseases. And this was a medication that the cat was on off and on. So the medication was originally prescribed by a veterinarian that was not present that day and was planning on being at work the next day. So the owner was told, you know, we can't refill that for you today, but we'll submit it for review for the veterinarian that's going to be in the next day. They will handle it and we'll get it filled for you tomorrow. And apparently this was highly unacceptable. Owner was very upset. Uh, Her uh, perception was that with the COVID restrictions that that particular clinic has, that the staff should have more than enough time to fill this medication. And went as far as started to say, basically, I've got several friends to come here and I'm not going to come back. And I'm also going to tell all my friends not to come back because this is ridiculous. So she was offered to talk to the office manager and she took them up on the offer. And the office manager was trying to explain to her that, look, this is not a matter of time that's needed to fill the medication, but a matter of we need to have the doctor that deals with your cat the most review the case and make sure that not only that we can fill it, but make sure that we can make sure we have the proper dose for your cat. And the owner accepted it, still seemed unhappy, still seemed pissed when she got off the phone. But of course, you know, apparently the dawn rose. It was a new day when she came to pick up the meds. The next day she was fine. But that was just a one of those unsatisfied resolutions, which both stories are kind of that way. Uh, where it's like, you know, you try to plead your case and you feel like you're not getting anywhere. The cat got what it needed, but you still kind of feel like maybe the owner should apologize for her behavior. Maybe you feel like you didn't accomplish your goal of trying to explain things and make her understand or make her happy. But at the end of the day, the cat got what it needed. So you got a resolution, but it wasn't necessarily a satisfying one. And that's the type of thing that it does tend to stay with you through the week. You know, if you feel like you you had this major negative interaction and it kind of wears you down and you feel like maybe the client didn't hear you or didn't listen, didn't want to hear you, didn't want to understand. So it, it can be one of those things that sort of stays with you. So I'll give my unqualified opinion about this. <laughs> unqualified from like a mental health and counseling perspective. But certainly mm-hmm. I've dealt with this situation a lot. First off, I would say to this staff member that 
that wrote in, you did do a good job because you got the cat's information in front of the veterinarian. The veterinarian made a decision about the case and we got the cat the treatment that it needed. So that was your job. And so you did a good job. Sometimes I think as veterinary professionals, we mistake what our job is. And our job is not actually to make the client, the pet owner, happy. Ooh, it's a big statement. Yeah. And it. this isn't me just um, naturally saying this. This is me after years and years of expensive therapy, finally, finally accepting that I can't make everyone happy. If the owner of the animal is mad at you, veterinary staff member, that's okay. And I have a really hard time with that because I don't like for people to be upset with me. I want Mm -hmm. everyone to like me. I want everyone to think that I go above and beyond and do a good job as part of that people-pleasing thing that I have Mm -hmm. that's a little bit pathologic. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like maybe this staff member might be struggling with that a little bit too. So the first things first, I think just saying it's not my responsibility as the veterinary staff member to make this client cheerful again, right? <laughs> yes. It's not our, you know, very rarely would that type of conversation end with the client saying, oh, now that you have rationalized this to me, I completely understand and I'm no longer irritated or inconvenienced, right? Because <laughs> the client is thinking like, oh, I've got this to do and this to do and this to do. I really needed to pick that up today, but I've been procrastinating about calling because I perceived it was going to be a fight to get the medicine. You know, this is just me guessing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the client's end, I bet that they started off the phone conversation already in a defensive mode. And when they heard anything except, oh, yes, we'll drop everything to fill that medicine for you, then it made them angry. But also, it's okay for the client to be angry. That's fine. And there's nothing you can do to control the client anger it's that's just the client's response and that that doesn't mean you did something wrong other people reacting to you with anger doesn't mean that what you did was wrong it just makes that other person angry that that's all so i think that um you know it sounds like the the situation was actually handled the cat got the medicine it needed i I think we're good Mm -hmm. on this particular thing i would work on trying to separate in your mind my job, you know, me doing a good job, separate that completely from I need to make every client pleasant and happy by the end of our conversation. Because if if the second thing is your goal, you're going to fail. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. What do you think, JJ? Um, I think that uh, especially since it seems like, you know, when the initial request came through, it probably came, you know, from a receptionist. And a lot of receptionists have more so training in customer service, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And making a customer happy is something that's kind of been beaten into them. It's kind of something that I've I've kind of noticed since I've been working at the front desk that I've usually come more from the perspective of trying to get whatever the pet needs handled. And I also fall into the trap, though, of, you know, if an owner's upset, it makes me anxious. It makes me like want to fix the situation, even if I can't per se. But so I'm, I kind of wonder if that that might have a lot to do with it for for the receptionist end is that, you know, they don't work on the medical side of things a lot. So they may be 
more trying to concentrate on let me find that perfect sweater that you want so that you're not mad and won't go to the manager and, and yell at me or yell at the manager about me. But this is a whole different scenario because it's veterinary medicine. Yeah. I don't know. That just occurred to me. Yeah. I So I agree that um, traditionally, so we'll say in non-medical fields, customer service might be about, you know, keeping the, the client happy. Um, mm-hmm. But sometimes clients ask for stuff that's unreasonable. Oh, yeah. And um, to bring up <laughs> to bring up Carl's sandwich job again, <laughs> it just keeps <laughs> coming up. But it, it's a good analogy, I think, you know, um, because, you know, he when he was managing the sandwich shop, people would come in and complain and be, be completely ridiculous and irate about sandwiches, which is mm-hmm. inherently not a make or break situation. It's a flipping sandwich. It's going to yep. be okay. You know, like, <laughs> um, but the, the number of times that people would elevate it to just way beyond what needs to happen over a sandwich was crazy. So, uh, also people would, unfortunately, some people complain so that they get free stuff. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, not everyone that complains uh, does that, but some people purposefully try to keep you off balance by treating you poorly so that they can get free things from you. Mm-hmm. And that's that's unfortunately the reality. So, you know, was this lady throwing her weight around just trying to get her way? Maybe. Did she have something else going on in her life and this receptionist or office manager was just a convenient target for her anger when she was really mad about four other things mm-hmm. maybe because it you know is it a combination of all all of those i mean maybe it's just very difficult to rationalize anger so i don't think any amount of explaining even if you do it calmly will make an angry client say oh actually now i completely understand once we've moved to the point of anger i don't think that trying to explain especially if you use the words protocol or procedure it just sounds to the owner like this is all red tape and of course everyone thinks of themselves as a special case right everyone thinks well i'm special my situation is different you know but they're not (laughs) you know so you said i was like i don't think of myself that way i'm always like please don't let me break any rules tell me what your (laughs) rules are so that i don't break them but uh, we know I'm weird. Well, JJ, <laughs> you're like the type of person that if a restaurant was closing in an hour, wouldn't go into it because it oh, might inconvenience no. the staff. That pisses Ben off so much. because <laughs> He's like, well, they don't close for another 30, 45 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, but I've worked at Subway. Okay. And I know what it's like to be the last person mm-hmm. that's working for the last hour that you're opening. And you've got all the close down done. And at five minutes to closing on a Tuesday back in the day, because I'm old, when they used to have buy one, get one free footlongs. And some asshole would come in and want four footlongs and that's just gonna fuck up the whole sorry that's just gonna mess up the whole (laughs) shebang and now i'm gonna have to stay for an extra 20 minutes and read i'm like was four footlongs at 11 o'clock at night an emergency dude i mean come on i mean it depends on how drunk they are i think and then yell at me because i wasn't doing it fast enough for them yeah i didn't put enough pickles on there or something i'm like so yeah there if it i've got a rule if it's like 45 minutes or an hour when you said an hour that's pretty close to it mm-hmm. 
Well, for closing, no, yeah. I'm not going in. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> not everyone is like that, though, right? True. Now, I would yeah. say that most people are not like that. Most people are just kind of going about their lives or whatever. And a lot of people don't like to hear the word no. <laughs> yeah. So I think just recognizing that when you're dealing with the public, it's almost never about you. They're n it's not personal. If they're mad, they're not mad at you. They're mad at their circumstance. They're mad because they procrastinated. They're mad, fill in the blank. Yet no amount of explaining to them the policy, why the policy exists, medically why it exists, n none of that will ever actually help, I don't think, unless unless the owner has a really specific type of personality. Most people, mm -hmm. if you're already angry, you're not going to listen to anything that the other person has to say. It doesn't matter how much sense it makes. You're, you're just going to shut down. And it takes people years and years of training to be able to move past that. Most people don't have that type of training. You know, mm -hmm. most people aren't trained to debate properly. They're not trained to manage their emotions in a counseling setting or things like that. So I think that providing the information about why is a good idea, but recognize that it's not going to make the owner's anger go away. So maybe we just explain that one time or we give a very shortened version of it when people are mad on the phone we need to try to de-escalate and disarm them if i were answering the phone call uh in this particular one the person on the other end wants a prescription refilled that i know already is either going to be a straight up no or a we have to talk with the veterinarian first our clinic should have a policy that says hey we need, you know, if it if it's um, a prescription refill you're calling about, we worry we need at least 24 hours because we're busy. We cannot drop everything to to mm -hmm. handle everybody's little prescription request, or else we do that all day and not actually generate revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Then we go out of business and now we can't help any animals. So if I had this particular owner on the phone, my strategy would be to say, I understand that you need this medicine and it's important. What I can do for you is to put in a request for the medicine. It's got to go through the doctor. They'll be here tomorrow morning, and I can get that filled for you tomorrow at the earliest. And if they have a very angry reaction to that, that's okay. We don't have to rush and change a bunch of stuff and everything to respond to their anger. It's okay for them to be mad. That's all right. No problem. <laughs> They're allowed to be angry. You're allowed to not react to them being angry. So if they get mad and that sort of thing, and they're arguing with you about how they don't want you to do that, then you can simply state again, calm statement option. So in this case, there's really the only one option. So the calm statement would be, we're unfortunately unable to fill the prescription today because it needs veterinary approval. What I would like to do to help you out is submit that to the veterinarian, and we can get that approved for you tomorrow at the earliest. So just calmly state it again. Most of the time, then, the people are, even if they're not happy, they might not be smiling and rosy and everything like that. They're at least going to understand that this is the situation, that that's what we're dealing with. They're, I'm not going to be able to get past this person or bully them, right? Mm -hmm. But some people, if they're going to escalate it further, you might have to say that calm statement a few times. What we want to really avoid is using a tone that's passive-aggressive. That's going to escalate the problem. We don't want to do that. We want to put our energy bubble up, put our spikes out, 
but remain <laughs> calm and keep an even tone of voice. If we find that they're starting to get under our skin and we can't do that, then that's when we try to transfer maybe higher up the chain and say, hey, I've explained this. I, I'm starting to have an emotional response to this person. Can you be the, you know, the third party that steps in and continues to calmly explain because I'm worried I'm going to escalate it? That's fine. That's absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if you can maintain that calm, just calm facade, even voice, not icy, not passive aggressive and not uncertain, because if they have uncertainty, they're going to try to pull it apart to get you to do what they want. People are very good at manipulating, so don't be manipulated. Just <laughs> calmly state the fact. If we've had to state that fact calmly three or four times, that's when I start trying to actively bring the conversation to a close. So I might say, I hear you when you say that you're frustrated about not being able to get the medicine today. Unfortunately, tomorrow is the soonest that we can get it. So I've already put that request in. We're going to be giving you a call about that prescription tomorrow. Is there anything else I can help you with today or does that complete our call? So again, we've given the two options. They either have some different topic that I need to help them with or we're going to end our call. I didn't leave anything open for them to choose a third option. Now, if they jump ahead and choose a third option, then that's when I'm going to get management involved potentially. Okay. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, then that that's going to that's going to handle it. And I try not to give more than two options to someone that's mad because when you're mad, you're not thinking clearly. And so it's hard for them to kind of sort things out. So that's what I would do to handle that situation. And I would also hang up on the phone call knowing the owner might still be irritated or mad. And that is OK. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It doesn't mean that I'm bad at my job. It just means that they're mad. And I need to get comfortable with the idea of other people being mad at me and not let it make me squirm. Every time you say mad, I was thinking about the mad button. Mad. Mad. <laughs> Actually, putting the mad button on the desk and just saying, oh, I have another call coming in. Hold one moment, please. Thank you. And then you don't really have a call. Maybe you just push the mad button to yourself. Mm -hmm. Mad. Mad. Mad, right? That will definitely lighten the mood back up mad. into right. reasonable. This is the owner's opportunity to push the mad button. And it and it again, it might be they're mad about something completely different. <laughs> In fact, I I almost guarantee that they're not mad about their cat's prescription, that they only intermittently fill anyway. You know, mm -hmm. this is not an emergency. We have to find that balance between providing excellent customer service. But excellent customer service doesn't mean that every single client interaction ends with them, you know, vomiting rainbows like that. <laughs> that That's not reasonable. No. So, JJ, you had a conversation recently with a listener who had a, a similar sort of negative interaction. Um, can you share about that without um, revealing who they are? She said that uh, this owner had called, set up an appointment for her new puppy. And they uh, had done some history gathering to kind of come up with what type of uh, vaccines the puppy would need based on its lifestyle. Uh, the owner was pretty concerned about the number of vaccines that uh, the puppy was going to need, particularly because they have to come back and get uh, several boosters of the distemper parva vaccine. The owner was also concerned about the patient getting more than one vaccine at a time. The technician had given her an option to come in for the vaccines to kind of split them up. 
And she explained that this would also let them know that if the puppy had a reaction, then they would know which particular vaccine caused that reaction. Uh, The owner wasn't really happy with any of these options. She kind of wanted to go with the option of fewer vaccines to, you know, only rabies if possible. And she also was concerned that coming in more often would increase her COVID exposure possibility. Uh, They ended up uh, counseling her and she went with getting uh, the Stemper Parvo and Hortatella in one visit and the rabies later. But there was this overall feeling from the staff that she still seemed pretty unhappy and this kind of bothered the staff. You know, they had spent time counseling her and were hoping that she understood the need for these vaccines and she still didn't seem to be getting it. Uh, so there again, it was one of those cases of where the dog got what it needed, but neither party really felt that there was a resolution. So that's interesting that that they're mentioning a, the idea of a resolution not being met. But to me, uh, the issue has been resolved. The patient came in and it had the vaccinations that it needed. So, you know, the, this staff uh, member did their job. So I think that in this case also, we just need to work on moving away from the idea that a resolution means that the client leaves with a smile on their face and a really positive and chipper attitude. Sometimes that's just not something that's going to occur. Mm-hmm. Specifically in this in this type of case, I might pull another couple of tricks out of my hat here. The owner is saying, I want the health care that my pet needs, but I don't want to receive more than one vaccination at a time. But mm-hmm. I also don't want to come to the clinic more than one time, which if if we phrase it that way, it's like, wait a minute, that's a that's an impossible thing. In this case, I think the owner either hasn't really sat down to think about what it is that they want or what it is that they're asking. Or, as you said, maybe the owner really actually doesn't want any vaccinations at all, but they're trying to sort of invent a way that it's the veterinary clinic's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to kind of say, well, I am a very good owner. It's not that I don't want care. It's just fill in the blank with a bunch of excuses. Mm -hmm. So recognizing that that might be the scenario is important because then if that's the case, there's literally nothing you could ever do that will explain this to the client to to the point that they're happy. Like no no amount of rationalization is going to make this client cheerful again. But also making the client cheerful is not your job. If we take one thing away from this episode, I want it to be that. Veterinary professionals, turning the client into a positive, happy person and having them leave in a happy, cheerful mind frame is not what your job is. (laughs) It's not. Your job is to make sure that you document your conversations with the owner about what the pet needs and try your best to provide those needs. Understanding that, You can't kidnap the dog and give it the care that it needs and then return it to the owner. It's still the owner that has to decide, and it's their responsibility. So I think it's great we educated the owner, and I think it's great that we got the the patient the vaccinations that it needed. And then I think we need to call it a day and call that one a win because there's no way to make a client happy all the time. Two out of three ain't bad. That's what Meatloaf said. That's right. Uh, But so if I were dealing with this owner on the phone, I would not 
point out in a passive aggressive or sarcastic way that what the owner is asking is stupid. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> that what you just said does not make sense. Like I, mm-hmm. I even though that would make a hilarious TikTok video, that is not going to make the owner less angry with you <laughs> on the phone. So if I'm confronted with an owner who keeps contradicting themselves and is essentially asking for something completely impossible, which this this owner is, I stop for a minute and I say, it sounds like we might have a bunch of competing goals. Can you share with me how I might be able to help you meet your goals the best or some sort of version of that? Because sometimes the owner literally hasn't thought about it. And those will be the ones that stop dead in their tracks, stop complaining and suddenly realize, oh, shit, I actually don't know what I'm talking about and have no idea how they might be able to make me happy. <laughs> Sometimes the owner has a very clear cut idea. And in this case, it could be that the owner said, I actually don't want to do any vaccines at all. And in that case, again, no amount of rationalization over the phone, no amount of education in person is going to move the client away from that. Because when we uh, when we look at studies of people and opinions and things like that, what we find is the stronger held some sort of belief is, hearing facts and evidence that contradict that worldview actually makes you cling to your worldview more and reject. It actually reinforces whatever your original worldview is. You would think the opposite would be true. If I get facts and evidence that something I believe is not true, I need to question my beliefs. But people hate questioning beliefs. So confronting people with evidence that they're wrong makes them double down on what it is that they're wrong about. This is proven scientifically over and over again. So even though we need to educate the owner, just know that educating the owner might not result in your desired outcome. It might result in the owner getting mad, frustrated, stomping around, leaving. And you cannot control that in any way. It's still your job to be able to do it. So how I like to do this is with a motivational interviewing approach. I hear you when you say that you are worried about giving any vaccinations at all. I have some concerns about that approach that I'd like to share with you. Is it okay? If I share with you some information that highlights why that might not be the best strategy, sometimes owners say, no, it's not okay. Well, then we document that in the record. Owner refused education about XYZ topics. Because if you then go on and still say it all anyway, they're just going to get more mad. So then we end the the conversation there. If the owner is really adamant, it's a really important situation, like maybe the puppy is completely unvaccinated for parvovirus. And I don't know how old this puppy was, but maybe it's had zero vaccines. And I really, truly think that the owner just does not understand the risk that they're taking. Then I can say, okay, I understand you don't want me to go over this on the phone. Legally, I have to give you some information. So what I would like to do is send an email to you with that information. And if you become ready in the future to read about it, I want you to look at it, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. they even refuse that. So then I document that. Owner refused to have email, you know, blah, blah, blah. So then (laughs) I try to send something physically home with the owner, or I might even mail it, okay? And in that case, if an owner is just calling on the phone and they're being that belligerent about something really important like a parvo vaccination, When I mail that information, I'm going to mail it along with their firing letter. I'm going to be 100% honest. Like, that's just not. (laughs) Sometimes uh, the owners don't have a philosophy that fits well with your practice. And so if something as 
basic and reasonable as wanting them to vaccinate their puppy for parvo is a huge deal for them, then that might make, I mean, that's going to be a deal breaker for me to see them because I know that this is going to be someone whose worldview is so diametrically opposed to facts and science, which is what I base my recommendations on, that this is not going to be a fruitful working relationship. And I need to go ahead and bow out of this relationship as soon as possible before we have some sort of major situation happen down the line, you know, where we're completely unable to communicate with this owner. Mm -hmm. Of course, uh, that's going to be a management level decision, though. If you're answering the phone at the front desk, you most of the time don't have that sort of rain. It would be nice if you did, but... <laughs> but you get fired yeah. and you get fired. Exactly. Everybody, if, gets, fired. everybody gets fired. If, you, <laughs> if you're uh, manning the front desk and you find yourself in this sort of major conversation, this is one that we need to turn over to the technical staff or the doctor to handle the education side of. I just thought of a uh, t-shirt button, something should be your happiness is not my occupation. Yeah. Never. That's true in every walk of life. That That's not just with, with employee-client relations. That's with everybody. If you're, you know, if you guys are out there, seriously, if you're in a romantic relationship, your job is not to keep the other person happy. If the other person's unhappy, the only person that can make them happy is them. And the mm -hmm. same is true it, just in every single walk of life. If you have a parent that's chronically unhappy, no amount of things that you can do will make them happy. So just remember, if someone is mad at you, is unhappy with you, if you've examined your own behavior and you, you know, everything that you've done is reasonable, truly, then that is not something that you can fix and it's not your problem to, to own. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. It's not. <laughs> it's totally not. Okay. Well. Shall we move on from the unhappiness and address something we've been promising for right weeks now? So for a couple of weeks, we've mentioned the chili pepper scale for kitty cats of kitty cat angriness. So it goes from one to five chili peppers, depending on the level of spiciness of the cat's <laughs> personality. It wouldn't be a bad idea to form a chili pepper owner rating system either, although I <laughs> that might be frowned upon. <laughs> Um, le from a legal perspective or a liability perspective. <laughs> but yeah, so I actually think that's a pretty good lead-in so we can go from spicy owners straight into spicy kitty cats. Mm -hmm. Spicy cats are actually one of my favorite things in the entire world. <laughs> Which I don't understand. I know. People think I'm weird, but I uh, love I love a grumpy cat. Now, well, I'll qualify that. Um, You like a grade three to four? Well... I'm. I mean, I like them all. I even. I have a, a healthy respect for a grade five cat. Yeah, I do. <laughs> five chili pepper cat. I respect that cat. This is different. Um, just real quick. So we're gonna go over the scale. But feral cats don't fall on the scale. They can't help their spiciness. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we're gonna. We're talking about owned socialized cats. Okay, feral cats have their own scale completely. Feral cats always have to be dealt with. Um kindly and gently and with major caution um, but feral cats are not what we're talking about here so the cat chili pepper rating system is something that i came up with in my last associate job kind of as a as a joke um, <laughs> as one of the the few people in the places that i work that truly enjoys handling grumpy cats I don't know. It's people think I'm weird for it, but I, I mean, gosh, I love a mean cat, you know, like they, <laughs> they just have such attitude. I just love dealing with angry cats. And so 
because I don't mind dealing with angry cats in all of my jobs and even in vet school, I was the person people went to to handle the angry cat. So then my angry cat handling experience got constantly compounded to where I actually got pretty good at it too. So anyway, the kitty cat chili pepper spiciness rating system is from one to five chili peppers. As you would see on a menu at a Thai restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. Five is the highest level of spicy and one is not very spicy. Cats that are a one to two are going to be those cats that either kind of grumble at you, maybe are going to hiss a little bit, but they're not really coming after you. They're a little stressed, but they're handleable. We can do their examination, all of those things without, you know, much restraint at all. They're, they're just talking to us and saying, hey, I don't appreciate what the what the situation is. I did not agree to be examined today. Mad. <laughs> mad. They're pushing the button. I'm mad, mad, mad. <laughs> But kitty cats, once they start getting up into the three chili peppers, these are going to be the ones that are a little bit more difficult to handle. And cats three and above really need medicine to help make them more calm. And my favorite one is gabapentin. Mm -hmm. So using gabapentin about an hour before the appointment time makes this so much better. And these cats are so much less stressed. I even use it. I have a one chili pepper cat myself, my cat Willow. And I use gabapentin when she goes to the clinic or when I have to trim her nails and things like that. So um, it makes them so much less stressed and so much easier. It's just it's just a great way to go. I love my cat on gabapentin. She's mm -hmm. about a three. If you try her, she can be a four. But yeah, she's about a three. I think you're I think I would put your kitty at a three. Uh, Fraggle. <laughs> Fraggle the kitty cat, JJ's cat. She'll be kind of okay. She doesn't like to be in the cage and she doesn't like other kitty cats very much. Oh, no. And so if you're at the clinic and you come up and talk to her, she'll kind of like chirp at you, maybe flirt with you just a little bit from inside of her bed. But if you try to reach in, that's when we're going to get hissed at. We're going to get smacked around us a little bit. Mm-hmm. And if you try to restrain her for blood draw and you put your hand accidentally near her mouth, you probably would get bitten by Fraggle. Mm -hmm. Don't you think, JJ? Probably. I mean, yeah. she's not bitten anybody, but that's because I take many precautions. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Fraggle on Gabapentin is a negative 12 chili <laughs> negative pepper. Negative 12 chili peppers. I mean, <laughs> she turns into a little slut. She is just like, I am a noodle. Just love me. <laughs> The last time I had her in for anything, she was passed around by person to person, just like draped her over their shoulder and pet her. And she purred and made air biscuits. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, you are gross. Look at you. We nice. actually, at some point, I guess before I left my last associate position, we were kind of working on. Um, and we never had the time to get it finished. We were working on like a, here's a video of Fraggle at the clinic when she hasn't had gabapentin. <laughs> yes. And here's one when she has. <laughs> it's like the major difference yes. that a single dose would make. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. oh. Yes, her perfect dosing is uh, give her one the night before mm -hmm. and give her one the morning of. Oh, yeah. And she's butter for 48 hours. <laughs> uh, bless her. Yeah. So a level four cat, this is going to be a kitty cat that only has maybe two or three cat minutes before they start really trying to hurt you. Those cats 100% need medicine ahead of time. And mm -hmm. we need to kind of 
think about so what I like to do is communicate with the owners and say, hey, look, your cat is not a bad cat. Your cat is grumpy and stressed, and that's why the kitty is having this reaction. And so if we force the issue, we are going to significantly harm all of our patient interactions with this cat until the end of time. If I had a cat that comes in that's significantly agitated, right off the bat, I say, owner, we need to give your cat medicine and come back a different day. Mm -hmm. And some owners get mad about that. But the vast majority of owners are like, thank you for being so kind, actually. We really appreciate that. And so what we'll do is we'll get a prescription together, plan a time. The kitty cat will come back. We'll try to make it a time when it's kind of quiet. My friend Jennifer Winicky, who I've mentioned before, practices up in Ohio, actually has one day of the week completely dedicated to cat appointments. That sounds like your day of the week. I know, right? That'd be super, (laughs) can it be every day? Um, So I don't remember which day, say it's a Thursday. So Thursday then would be every cat appointment that's obviously not a sick one, okay? Sick ones get seen right away. Yeah, Thursday, oh my God. Uh, the wine's kicking in sorry <laughs> i'm gonna text her but that is the best name for it um, so any type of procedure or wellness care for a cat is always scheduled on the same day of the week and so the clinic like doesn't have a dog smell you know it doesn't they don't do a lot of boarding or and they don't have grooming or anything so it's like the kitties come in everything's quiet There's, you know, and everybody knows, like, it's cat day. We're not having stressful things in the hospital, you know, just Mm -hmm. very calm. And um, so that's a great idea. But also for our level four cats, though, they absolutely need medicine. And this is to keep the staff safe, but it's also to keep the cat psychologically safe. Because Mm -hmm. cats that get that level of stress that they're just flipping out, like, that that is harmful. Mm-hmm. We don't want that to happen. <laughs> yes. And then there are the level five cats. I only know of one level five cat my whole career. And that's who I base the five designation alpha of. And I need to change the name of this cat for uh, <laughs> for identity purposes. So we'll just say that the cat's name was Mittens. Okay. But Mittens is one of those cases. She's passed away now. Mittens is one of those cases that you will never forget for your whole life. When Mittens would come in, we're talking about, and these were in the days before Gabapentin, the entire carrier would be shaking on the, on the counter with like (laughs) noises coming out of it and hissing. She would lunge at you. If she happened to be out in the room, the owner was a little old lady and she, the cat loved the owner, hated every single other living person, including the owner's family. And so, um, Sometimes the owner would let the kitty cat out in the room. No, don't do that. And the cat would be totally fine until someone else came in. And the cat would literally, like, physically, bodily attack anybody. I mean, that that, this is a naughty cat. Mm. And I often wonder how naughty would she have stayed if we had had gabapentin back then, you know, as an Mm. option. Like, yes. But uh, yeah, so this cat, um, of course, being super grumpy, lived for one million years and (laughs) finally was one of those cases where, um, you know how really, really aggressive animals, like even if they have a bad diagnosis, they they tend to be the ones that live forever, like with minimal treatment and do fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't explain it. 
Uh, but, but so yeah. And they're also named something like Angel, Sweetie, mm-hmm. Mittens. Mittens. Mm-hmm. And that was, again, this was a pseudonym, but the cat's name was like very innocuous. Like you think, <laughs> oh, just, let me just pinch his little cheeks and kiss it. No, no, mm-hmm. don't do that. You're going <laughs> to have a, your lips are going to be missing. <laughs> so that's a level five. So if we're three to five chili peppers, those cats need medicine. But mm-hmm. I like the chili pepper rating system because number one, it gives us a fun way to talk about grumpy cats that's almost like, um, well, it's almost positive or funny. And I think if you make light of it, then it becomes less scary for the staff to deal with sometimes too, right? Mm-hmm. It's also a nice way to put it in the chart that doesn't sound mean, right? So <laughs> like, if we're like three out of five chili peppers, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, it's like, caution, this cat will eat your lunch. Like, no. Yes. So it's a polite <laughs> way of, of making sure that, um, you know, that everybody in the clinic knows. But if the owner gets a copy of that record, they're not going to feel, you know, as Personally upset. attacked. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's a fun way of talking about it. So those alerts tend to get put in because... If we've been talking, they're a one chili pepper. They're they're a two chili pepper. Mm-hmm. Then we tend to be able to put those alerts in the computer a little easier than if we're like, this cat was a little bit of a rodeo, but it didn't try to physically assault me. So I'm going to maybe kind of forget to put a caution in, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that is the cat chili pepper rating system. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. And I think we, JJ is working on some artwork and we're going to have that at some point in the future to, to help illustrate the kitty cat chili yes. pepper rating system. It's going to be kind of a, on like, look a little bit like the pain scale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm excited yeah, about it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this snack episode. If you guys have stories, even if they're upsetting or <laughs> happy stories. Mm-hmm. If you've got crazy client interactions, um, we'd love to read them. Send them to introvetspodcast at gmail.com. So you can also find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram as introvets. And please rate and review the podcast on iTunes because we want to be special. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.